Oh yeah, listen to this. One of the things he was shouting to me when he hit He-Man on, on my chest with three other lads holding me, yeah, was, I'm going to have your career now, pad. Imagine being like that, you disgusting little hobbit farmer kid. All this has happened because something I learnt in rehab, and it's wicked, I thought I'd share it with you. Um, the word fear, so it's F-E-A-R, and you can either have two takes on it, yeah? You can either... Face everything and rise, which I'm doing. Or fuck everything and run, which I was always doing. And then getting snizzled because of that. Uh, Now I'm facing everything and it's the best. And uh, you have to go through it. You can't run away from it all. And that's what I'm doing. So we'll be sorted. I'm going to be a world champion, I promise. Beautiful night, guys. Stay safe. And last one, guys. Guess what else? Or in that cell. A cell for 24 hours. A full 24 hours, which is... Imagine three... Nine to five days with shifts, which is eight hours, three of them straight in a cell. Welcome to all new listeners to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast and welcome home to the regular listeners of the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. I just want to jump in and talk about Scott Fitzgerald because it's, I feel conflicted. And the reason I say that is here's another boxer putting his foot in his mouth, but doing it in probably a more sinister way than Billy Joe Saunders. I think with Billy Joe Saunders, you know, you could entertain the discussion that he was having a laugh and a joke. It was just a joke in incredibly bad taste. With Scott Fitzgerald, I think what's happened here is slightly more sinister. Yet, because Fitzgerald's likeable and Fitzgerald has this reputation built on the fact that he beat Anthony Fowler, I feel he's getting a, a softer ride of it than Billy Joe did, which I don't necessarily think is fair. So trying to find facts at the moment is difficult. What we know for absolute certain is Scott Fitzgerald was arrested earlier this week and he was held overnight in the cells. Now, what happened, we don't know, but the suspicions are that his girlfriend was involved, her mother was involved, and I assume her brother was involved. (laughs) Now, I, I struggle with this idea that you can kick off with someone you you claim you love i it's 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 the height of stupidity the height of irrationality and points to a controlling nature and probably an insecure nature which shouldn't be a surprise in the world of boxing because that's what boxing is full of but until we know what happens it's hard to make judgments but this is no it's been referred to the crown court so what this tells you is this isn't something that can be sentenced with under six months imprisonment and I don't think it's Fitzgerald who asked for a jury trial. I think the magistrate said, this feels like a Crown Court case. So that automatically tells you that it might be a bit more serious. Now, the day after, you know, Scott Fitzgerald, there was a lot, there was a lot of bravado around it that he had just come out the cells and how he had been jumped and held down by three men and he wants to fight these people one-on-one. And he rather foolishly mentioned Darren Till as one of the people who attacked him before later correcting it. But in all of this, 
it looked like he'd had a drink. Like he, it genuinely looked like he was off his head or recovering from a heavy session. Which is strange because if you look at everything he had done up until that point, it was all about coming out of rehab. I think he did like probably two weeks or just under at the Sporting Chance Clinic set up by Tony Adams. So he's done all of that. He comes out, he's in London, he's living in Notting Hill, he's running around, he's running in places. I, I try and go running if, if my legs can carry me the five miles it takes to do the whole loop. But you're looking at it going, okay, he's trying to rebuild his life here. So why, knowing who you are, knowing what you're like, why the hell are you going back up to, I want to call it Preston, Larches, wherever the fuck that place is called, it's all up north to me. You're going back there where you've probably got problems because you strike me as that kind of guy that has problems because you're, you're not, I mean, you're not in touch with your emotions and so they control you as opposed to you controlling them. And you end up in this disaster where you do two things. One, you damage your own brand because there's only so many times we're going to forgive you. Same with Billy Joe. There's only so many screw-ups you can have. And Scott Fitzgerald is having a lot of screw-ups at the moment and he's blowing his talent too. Secondly, this isn't looking good for Eddie Hearn and Matchroom because we've had Scott Fitzgerald, you know, I can't say trying to embrace his inner Ike Turner because I really don't know what happened. We've got Billy Joe telling people how to be Ike Turner. And then we've got Martin Bacoli on the Jimmy Savile tip. This is all Matchroom. And so my immediate question is, why doesn't anyone talk about this? Two, why doesn't anyone ask Eddie Hearn about all of this? Number three, how long is John Skipper going to let Hearn have all these screw-ups on his roster? Never mind seeing DAZN boxers with known doping gurus, right? I don't want to mention names because I know them personally and we talk. But if you ever look at these pictures, like people in snack adverts, like you're around known, known doping experts and no one ever asks Hearn about this. So you guys are... You, all, all 279 of you that watch Boxing Social, all 1,300 of you that actually watch IFL, why are you not asking the main faces of these platforms? Why are you not asking these questions? Because we see it with our own eyes. Boxing's been allowed to visit the cesspool of life in the interest of just making money. At least the board had the backbone to go, do you know what, we're suspending licenses. And I don't know if the board could do much more than that, but they're suspending licenses. That's the right thing to do because if I'm Robert Smith, I don't want to be walking around and people go, mate, your sport is in disarray. How have you got guys talking about beating women? How have you got guys kicking off with women, as it was described? And how have you got guys putting up child pornography or child abuse fucking footage? And then the rest of boxing, how the hell are you condoning all of this dumb shit? But we lap all this up because this gossip is fodder for, for podcasts like this, which some part of me is embarrassed that I have to discuss this. But I want to touch on a wider thing, and that's the reason I'm talking about this. Otherwise, I'd have just left it, because I, I feel Scott Fitzgerald, much like Billy Joe, will sabotage his career any more than anyone else could. So I'll just sit and watch the car crash from afar. I, just, I don't think at 28 you get it together and have a meaningful career. <laughs> I'm almost impressed that he had the 2019 that he did, to be fair. So fair play to him for, for digging it out. But if you remember, after he beat Fowler, he always seemed like he was either drunk or coked up. I don't, I don't know if he was, 
but he always did. I remember him just running past the butchers. He was doing so, so many stupid things that you wondered, who's advising this guy? Who is the man or the woman that's telling Scott Fitzgerald this is the right thing to do, this is the wrong thing to do? And for all you boxers out there that listen, this is what happens when you get suckers in your team. When you get B-minus players in your team, you end up like Scott Fitzgerald. Because someone should have already taken this guy to rehab before he started screwing up. Because this can't be new. There's a reason why he was off the grid for so long. As talented as he was, he won a gold at the Commonwealth Games in 2014, like Josh Taylor did. Look at Josh. And Josh is no angel. <laughs> Let's not forget his, his misdemeanors either. But at least he's held it together long enough to become a world-level star. Scott Fitzgerald hasn't. Now, why is that? So, to really understand it, you've got to understand what boxing is. And a lot of, a lot of you guys listening now are big-time boxing fans. So, you love your Joshua's, your Furies, your Wilders, and so forth. That's, that's looking at the end product. Like, you've written, you haven't seen the filtration process. I think from my experience at the lower levels of the game... What you actually find is a lot of people don't come into boxing because they're tough guys. And I contrast this with what Greg Hackett said when we were talking about boxing. And he said, in Philadelphia, you walk into a boxing gym because you could fight in the streets. In this country, you tend to walk into a boxing gym for the opposite reason, because you cannot fight. And you've come because... Either your dad wants you to learn how to fight, your mum wants you to learn how to fight. Or in some cases, you've been beaten up so badly, you've said to yourself, I don't want that to happen again. Now, boxing as a means of addressing certain issues, I'm 100% on board with. If you come from a situation of negativity and through boxing you find positivity, I'm happy for you. I've been part of that process. I've seen it change people's lives. You can't get away from that. That's the self-evident truth. What we often forget, and what a lot of trainers forget in the pursuit of success, is if you took a kid from a troubled background, the success, the progress, merely masks a lot of things. You still have to deal with your underlying demons. I don't think Scott Fitzgerald has had that opportunity to deal with his underlying demons. It's easy to believe that because someone's a professional boxer, they're a tough guy. Not true. The reason boxing is easy for the elite level guys is they've just done it for so long that it's a habit. They're mentally conditioned to it. They're physically conditioned to it. And if we believe that this quality of toughness is a universal characteristic... What they find, actually, is when you take boxers from an environment they're comfortable in, a fight, where their stress levels relative to the average person are quite low, and you put them in an unfamiliar stressful situation, they have a stress response similar to most other human beings. They're not supermen. There's nothing special about these guys other than they've done it for so long, it doesn't stress them out. Now, in reverse, you can take a well-trained soldier, special forces soldier, and in the heat of battle, their heart rate is on par with anyone else in society, like at rest. Like, it's not a stressful experience for a lot of these 
these soldiers. Being in battle is not a stressful experience. But if you took them out of that environment and made them box, they would struggle because their stress response would go through the roof. Does that mean that they're tough? Does that mean that they're not tough? None of this is absolute one way or the other. What I, I'm saying is just to illustrate the point that if you do something for long enough, it doesn't stress you out. That doesn't mean you're tough because toughness is a quality that should sit everywhere. So there are boxers who are tough and resilient and mentally strong. And you see that in their lives. Like for all the criticism I give Anthony Joshua, he sits in that category. Because he seemingly coped with the most pressure any boxer's been under. Maybe him and Tyson Fury. He's coped with it better than Fury did. He's taken it in his stride and he's accepted it and he's got on, he's got on with his life. So, is that a function of his upbringing? Maybe. Is that a function of things he's been through? Maybe. Is that who he is innately? Perhaps. But the fact is, he's got that resilience and it's obvious. Now, you take someone like Scott Fitzgerald. I don't believe he has. I believe that he's been boxing for so long. He's proficient at it and he's good. But when it comes to being tough, when it comes to being tough enough to be disciplined, when it, when it comes to being tough enough to do the right thing, Scott Fitzgerald, like a shitload of other boxers, is found wanting. A lot of boxers are mentally weak. They are. Because if I was a boxer, I'd like to feel I could be driven enough, self-directed enough that I wouldn't need training. But you have to go and pick these guys up, drag them to the gym, flog them in the gym because they don't, they can't, it's not in them. That toughness is not in them. That drive's not in them. They need someone to bring it out of them. And that's why you see when boxers leave certain trainers, they fall off a cliff. That's when you realize what trainers really do. And I think with Scott Fitzgerald, what you're seeing is a guy who, not that he struggles to cope with fame, I think he struggled to cope with life. All that's happened is they've added fame to the equation so we get to see the slip-ups. Like Billy Joe Saunders. If someone said to me, what would Billy Joe be doing if he wasn't boxing? Three years? He'd be doing three years. And it wouldn't be for anything like a bank robbery. It would be for petty stuff like throwing bricks through his ex-girlfriend's window. And I think Scott Fitzgerald's in that same sort of camp where the toughness isn't there. And that's why I say to people, don't be in awe of boxers as these supermen. They're not. And they regularly convince us that they're not. They're human beings like the rest of us. It just so happens where you've spent 20 years doing a shitload of things, maybe drugs, booze, women, they've just boxed. And so when they're confronted with things that aren't boxing, they go to pieces. Scott Fitzgerald's gone to pieces. And I feel for him on a human level, it's not nice watching someone's decline. You know, he's been given a platform where he could provide for his family. He's been given a platform where, you know, he could now start to confront these issues. Like, I'd love to have him on this podcast. And let's understand where all this comes from. Because he's blowing a great talent. But I don't even think he can get it back from this point. That's entirely on him. But I come back to this thing. Who's in your team? And why aren't they pulling you back and saying you're blowing it, mate? I don't understand that. Maybe someone out there does. But... I can't even laugh at Scott Fitzgerald anymore. Like, remember the, the whole Mad Men thing after he beat Fowler? And in doing that, he made a lot of people in this country happy. 
But we didn't know the demons this guy was wrestling with. And he was probably fighting with those demons. That was probably in the ring with him. But once you're out the ring, you got to park that stuff, man, because people don't want to see it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. What does, what does Hearn say? What does Hearn do? Because he was critical of Billy Joe. He's got to be critical of Scott Fitzgerald if this is found to be true. Because it's unacceptable. And I think as boxing fans, we're tired of these miscreants. And that's the word I'm going to use. These miscreants getting another opportunity, another payday, simply because Eddie Hearn just wants to generate revenue. There's no sense of morality in the sport of boxing. Like, what will it take for Hearn to go, I'm not working with this guy? Like, Jerome Miller failed for three different substances. Hearn was still talking that he might work with him again. Bob Arum had no qualms in working with him. Let's not forget Fury Pop for Nandrolone. I mean, refused to take drugs tests. Fury, Fury's been in trouble with UCAD. It just so happened he had strong enough lawyers. No one had any qualms dealing with him. And the list goes on. We, we already know that doping in boxing is merely a bump in the road. It's not the end of your career. And so this is why at a time like this, when there's no boxing to distract people, we get to zero in on the boxers. Billy Joe foot in mouth continuously Scott Fitzgerald loose cannon of the loosest order Josh Taylor an embarrassing apologist for for boxing in general and I can see all three of those guys never fulfilling their potential because like I said before there's a degree of mental strength that comes with that seat at the top you need it like Joshua's got it like Wilder's got it like Fury's got it like Golovkin's got it, like Canelo's got it, Floyd had it, that resilience that says, now that I've got here, I'm going to work twice as hard so that no one ever takes this from me. And we're not seeing that from many of these matchroom guys. I don't know what Hearn's going to do about it. Probably not his gig. He doesn't care because he'll just discard them and get someone else in. But um, the Scott Fitzgerald thing's been, it's been, it's been embarrassing to watch. Like, I can't even offer any sympathy. It's been embarrassing to watch. It's been, yeah, it's just been just cringeworthy. And people know, everyone will have a mate like Scott Fitzgerald. And when we were at school, he was a cool guy. You'd always call him, oh, he's a bit of a nutter, isn't he? He's a bit mad. And that was all right when you were 16. And you'd see him in the pub and he'd be acting the fool and kicking off. And you're like, oh my God, he's such a rebel. And then you get to 25, 26, and you're like, this guy hasn't changed. And then it's embarrassing and it's cringeworthy. And then you just pity the guy and you start to just distance yourself from people like that. And that's where this guy's headed. He's just headed towards oblivion where no one's going to care about him. He'll just be that guy that beat Anthony Fowler and got lucky against Cheeseman. But on a human level, I hope he finds peace with himself and that he can kick the gambling and he can kick the boozing because they clearly don't agree with him and his, his collection of issues and demons that he carries with him. And um, where we belong, really. Um, so, yeah, I think Chant Chantal Cameron's a very good, strong, uh, strong um, boxer. Obviously, it's Van Marshall and stuff. But, um, again, their future, they could be possible future opponents when, when I look at moving up weight. Um, 
but yeah, keeping my eye, eye on eye on them all in all the divisions because um, I'm a big super featherweight and. Um, in time, I'll end up moving up. So, so yeah, that, that is that is true. See you moving up to lower. I love the way the women are fluctuating between the weight classes as well, taking chances and moving in to the big fights. Just in your division at the moment, Super Featherweight, we know you got Natasha Jonas yet, but what do you think of the other champions as well? I know we've had conversations with Eva Brodnicker as well, another world champion that could be a, a potential unification fight for you. Yeah, so for me, I, I'd like to fight um, Brodnicker, obviously. And I think it'll be, it'll be. So I'm currently watching this Eddie Hearn Instagram live. He's got Terry Harper on at the moment. One of the really interesting things is he runs through all the contenders at 130 pounds for Terry Harper. And he pipes up about all of them until she mentions Michaela Mayer. And Hearn goes dead silent. I found that really interesting. It's standard Hearn. Like he just doesn't want to shine light on people who are threats. But I'm watching this and we're up to 1,600 viewers on this and this is a man that allegedly does a million spins on on ifl interviews talking about any and everything clearly the public aren't that enamored with what he has to offer but look let's see let's see what mr hearn's got to say now i was looking forward to the most because what I love about these Olympians is when they come out, they get the opportunity to learn their craft, box all around the world. And then every now and again, they go into a situation where they have to be tested and tested to the highest level. I think that Mark Wright, mate, that's Mark Wright, my skinny brother. What's happening? Um, David Avenesian, since that first fight was pulled off, has gone from strength to strength. Two big wins against Laranja in Spain. Um, and I think he's a real, real, real handful. But if Josh Kelly is as special as we think he is, as special as uh, Adam Booth thinks he is, he can come on and... Mm. <laughs> he's, really, he's really pushing. I, I, I don't want to criticise Hearn for, for pushing his brand and pushing his product because... Jesus Christ's fighters are not helping him, are they? They are the least charismatic, least interesting group of people ever. If I'm Eddie Hearn now, I'm praying Ben Whittaker just turns over without the Olympics because at least with someone like Ben Whittaker, you don't have to do anything. The guy, the guy promotes himself. The guy's an absolute star. I genuinely think if Jordan Reynolds had had a better profile and had been managed differently, I think he'd have been a matchroom fighter. So there's another guy you don't have to... I mean, you don't have to sell him to the public. He'll do that himself. But I'm just watching this going, if this is the best that boxing has to offer right now, this and that Frank Warren podcast, which was terrible, then these are really dark days for boxing. And it shows that outside of the fights themselves, the cupboard's pretty bare. So... I just want to go back to earlier in the week, and I don't know if anyone else paid attention to this. If you did, please let me know. There's a rapper called French Montana, him and another rapper, Tory Lanes. Start going back and forth on Instagram about who's had more hits, who's had bigger hits. So they agree. Uh, I think it was 10 p.m. Eastern time, so in New York time. They join Instagram Live, and they go hit for hit. French plays a song, Tory Lanez plays a song. And the fans just decide who's got more bangers. And they keep, they keep going till someone runs out of hits. 
And they did 20 rounds of this. And the reason I mention this is this did 82,000 when I joined. I think it probably it peaked higher. 82,000 viewers were following this. 82,000 people on one Instagram live feed. That's two men, two laptops, two phone cameras. That is all. Now, you've got this boxer, that boxer, whatever the hell their names are. And what the hell are they doing? Nothing. They don't do numbers. Hernan Coogan talking back and forth on Insta Live. If that does 2,000, that's a big win. But it's closer to six, 700. You get Rob Tebbit on there, he might do 50 or 60. It's, and whatever shots you want to take, you can take. It's irrelevant at this point. What I'm saying is no one cares about boxing in the way that they care about other things because we've never invested in building personalities. And boxers are scared to build personalities. Like, I shouldn't have to tell a boxer to call someone out. That is absolutely fucking ridiculous. That is your job. Your job is to tell the world you cannot be beaten. Your job is to say, listen, I'm better than that guy. What has he done? That's the only way we can ever build the tension whereby if you do jump on an Instagram live, you've got 20,000. So my immediate question watching this French Montana thing was, how the hell have Joshua and Fury not done an Insta live? How the hell have Wilder, Joshua not done an Insta live? How have Wilder, Fury not done an Instagram live? And I'll tell you the difference. People at French Montana aren't controlled. The record label doesn't tell them what to do. It doesn't. Because the record label needs them. Tour promoters need them. They build their own fan bases. Boxers are manufactured. They're, they're effectively slaves. Ignore the racial connotations of that for a second. Boxers are effectively slaves and they have their their strings yanked and pulled, so you get told what you can and you can't do. Mean, meanwhile, we as fans suffer because we not only don't get to see the fights, we don't get to see these people clash in person. It always has to be at these really contrived Sky events because they refuse to give fans quality content for free. You will pay for everything. If not, adverts will be slathered over everything. That's what we've signed up for. It's utterly embarrassing. The quality of content since boxing stopped has been poor. And um, I, I don't, there are no exceptions among the boxers that I, that I know, that I watch. No one has stepped up to the plate with anything good. I don't give a fuck about your training, your home workouts. It's your fucking job. All you do as a professional boxer is train and fight. I can't be impressed that you're training. Just like I can't be impressed that you're fighting. I'm like... That's what you're in business to do. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of watching people do deadlifts and do their silly little squats and do their little stretches and hit the bag. It's, it's, it's too much. It is just, it's, it's ridiculous and it's embarrassing. What else do you do? Let's say a boxer trains three days, three times a day, sorry. Let me go again. Say a boxer trains three times a day. He'll go running. He might spar or he might work with his coach and he might do some strength and conditioning later. Don't give a shit about the run. Unless you're going to show me sparring footage, don't give a shit about the training. And I definitely don't give a shit about your strength and conditioning work. This is all your job. If you have no other interests, if you have nothing in your life outside of boxing, you don't deserve my ticket money. You don't deserve anyone's ticket money. You're not giving us what we want.
All you lazy motherfuckers out there that think being a boxer is enough. Go out there, find a fucking personality. If you can't find one, buy one. Because it ain't good enough. You're not building yourself. No, who's grown a following? In this time here, who's really grown a following? What boxer has really stepped up? Wilder's gone missing, which is understandable. Fury, give him his due. He's still working the circuit. Joshua's just famous for literally going on a motocross ride with 20 of his mates when the government said, can you stay at home? No one talks about that. Coogan doesn't talk about that. Dan Rowan at the BBC refused to talk about that. So why are the boxing outlets not talking about him flouting what was decreed? This is our British world champion, our British Olympian, doing what the hell he feels like it. And then three days later, he has to go into quarantine because one of the people he was with suddenly had symptoms. Nothing says reckless. Like he, imagine he had caught it and reacted badly to it. And on a human level, like, you know what I mean? He could have been seriously ill from all of this. It's irresponsible. But we don't check boxes on, on these sort of stupid things because we've been fooled into believing we need these guys to make a living. No one needs these guys. But I just need to take a breather and listen to what Eddie and Josh Kelly have to say. Unbelievable. Like, that, that sells out any stadium. In the, that sells out Newcastle or something, do you know what I mean? Um, but it's just it's one for the future. It's one for the future there when we're uh, when we get when it, if Lewis wants to move up or anything like that, then do you know what I mean? It's there. It's a, it's a, it's a no brainer if he was at the same way. But obviously he's doing well. And what he's doing, I wish him all the best. What he's doing with his career this way. I'm just going to throw a couple of fights around around your division. I just like to to get your opinion on a few things. Talking about Conor Ben. Right. Do, do you believe he beats the likes of Johnny Garton, the likes of Chris Jenkins now? Do you think they're, they're, they're still risky? Tough. They're, all, they're all tough, risky fights. I mean, um, Connor's, Connor's game, and he, like you said, he, he, he wants to fight people now. He's, he's saying, listen, I want to fight these guys. So Fucking boring. When he gets in the ring with them, we'll, we'll just see what's unfolds because... Um, it's it's about testing yourself at the right time. I believe it is the time now that he needs he needs to step up and have one of them little sort of tests, like as a name. Do you know what I mean? Hearn looks like he's on like on his last fucking legs, like having to just I mean literally pour blood out of a stone with these brain dead numpties he's got on his roster. Like this is this is terrible. Imagine that. Like <laughs> he tells. Imagine Hearn's there. Like he looks at his diary. I got to do. I'm going to do 10 minutes with Terry Harper, 10 minutes with Josh Kelly. He's just there with the fucking Valium, isn't he? Hashtag doing bits. For now, but, um, but mate, I don't know. I wasn't Kel sure. Brook, Kel Brook, Liam Smith. Oh, I, I'd have to go Liam Smith for that one. Yeah. I'd have to go Liam Swift just because he's, uh, he's toughness and he, he's just his grade of, uh, I feel as though he's got that grain and he's cut through at that weight. He's, uh, he's tough, isn't he? He's a tough come-forward fighter. Isn't he? See, the thing about the people that follow her, and I've just been reading the comments, you know, they're the sort of fucking headbangers that never had any mates. Like, Hearn, Hearn's almost galvanised all the No Friends crew behind him. And he's built this army of these loners, these misfits, these weirdos, these, like fucking window lickers. I don't use that expression, but I can't think of anything else. Hearn galvanizes them. And when you read the comments, 
that go on, on Hearn's thing, it's, it's literally like someone's given fucking keyboards to three-year-olds and they're just punching out the, the only 50 words that they know. It's embarrassing. And meanwhile, Hearn's got to sit there, you know, privately educated, silver spooned up and go, this is so beneath me, but what can I do? No, but, oh God, I just, I, I don't know where boxing's headed. If you, if you look at what's happening in the world right now, the Premier League's debating what they do. So it's a sport, the Premier League's struggling. Rugby union is struggling. Both bigger sports than, than boxing is in this country. Cricket's also struggling. And so we're looking at a really congested sporting calendar in the second half of the year. Who's going to have time to be watching boxing when it clashes with football? It's going to clash with European football. It's going to clash with internationals. It's going to be a horrible clash. And all of a sudden, those people that were blowing 20 quid, those misfits, the window lickers, the crayon chewers, all of these sorts of guys who, who worship Hearn and he can do no wrong, they're going to go, actually, I can't afford all of this. And I don't have time to consume all of this. And all you guys that thought boxing would just give you a living because you put videos of yourself training, like that's not your fucking job. Jesus fucking Christ. You know, how embarrassing. You're gonna, you know, patronize the fans by going, I'm only gonna show you the bits of me doing my job. Yeah, I want you to invest in my journey. And then you get upset when we criticize you. you we criticize you for piss poor product. And then you go, the fans shouldn't criticize fighters. They don't know what it's like. We don't give a fuck what it's like. We care about whether we enjoy what we see. There's a difference. I don't give a monkeys about a fighter that I don't know about. If I know you personally, it's different. If I don't know you personally, I'm consuming a product. If you're terrible, you're terrible. If your social media is terrible, you get unfollowed straight away. So my challenge to anyone that listens to this, when I post the podcast up, reply with who you think the most interesting boxers are on social media. Let's start there. Let's shine some light on people who are doing something different. And then, you know, you will realize that list is very short. And I felt a bit ranty today. I have no idea why. I think it's the, the Fitzgerald thing pushed me over the edge. Watching Hearn talk nonsense and I have no idea who's on with him now. Who the fuck is Cash for... Jesus Christ. Let's hear what he's got to say. Or maybe let's not. I love that. <laughs> I've been censored by Hearn. I forget it. Like, you know, who cares? One thing I did want to say is I always appreciate the, the support and the love I get. Like, we don't do amazing numbers so we don't do joe rogan numbers we don't do drink champs numbers although i really wish i did and maybe if my product was less hard hitting it would be i think one of the the things when i look back at the time i've been doing this both from the new age days and through to now the number of people that have influence that consume the product and don't support it is disappointing so I know who listens to the podcast. I also know who asks me to buy tickets. 
I also know a lot of those guys don't share the product. And they do this in the belief that somehow it will help their career, but they're not even making a real living from the sport. They don't realize actually the best thing you can do in any situation is push something. Because if you're involved in it and you push it, then you rise with it. I'm not going to say I made Umar Sadiq because I didn't. Umar made Umar. I'm not going to say I made Dan Aziz. Dan Aziz made Dan Aziz. But I can say with absolute certainty there are boxes you guys watch now that you heard me mention first. Because that's what the game's about. You shine light, they shine light. But there are a lot of people who, who consume and don't support. I don't understand that. You know? Maybe, maybe you'd like to share why you'd consume and not support. Is it that you're embarrassed? And if you're embarrassed, then listen, I'm here to tell you, just be yourself. Never be embarrassed by what other people think. The minute you care about what other people think, you become a prisoner to life. That's all I'll ever say to you. Never be embarrassed. I never get embarrassed. Because if I've done something, I stand by it. Good, bad, and different, I stand by it. That's why I don't slide in people's DMs. I don't do the sneaky shit. I'm not there jumping on people on Twitter, you know, pretending to be the tough guy in the timeline and then the sweet guy in the DMs. I don't do anything like that. I can open up all my inboxes because I'm just as honest as I am here. So I'm telling you guys, do not be afraid to be who you are. And if you legit don't like this podcast, cool. Tell me how it can be better. We might change it, we might not. But be involved in it. Don't just be a person that consumes and goes, nah, I ain't going to share it. Why should I? Motherfucker, why should you? The same reason why when you have something that you want to get off the ground, I'll help you shine because it's not killing me to do it. And I might have to start airing people out, man. Start, you know, putting some holes in some careers because... Is not good enough. Whether I need the, I don't even know if I need the support because my numbers are, my numbers are kind of where I want them to be. But it's more the principle. It's more the, how are you going to suck on the dick of it? And then they just fucking forget about it. I mean, oh, I don't care now. I've got my benefit. You know, I've had my little suck, suck, suck. Now, now I'm just going to move on. No, motherfucker. Put some coins in the pot. You know, keep it going for other people. But, you know, it's just Friday, man. Let me, let me go and do something productive with my life. But listen, to all the people that show love, to all the people who support and back, Jesus, I love you so much. And that's why I'm willing to help anyone, man. I don't charge for anything. I'm always here to help. Always answer questions. I don't duck anything. Because if you make time for me, I should always make time for you. That's my ethos. But listen, guys, take care. Hope you enjoy the podcast. And as always, catch up again soon.